Dan, I'm just in the cold press juice aisle in in Air One. Can I can I call you back? My Can we maybe do the podcast a bit later? Is that, is that all right? You need to leave Air One right now and hop on a plane out of LA. Well, the good news is I have already done so. So, 18, <laughs> almost 18 hours later, I am back from Los Angeles in Doha. That was a trek from the other side of you the world. Lucky. Literally. You lucky, lucky listeners that you have not had to talk to Alex this week. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I've got a text, I've been like, oh, this again. <laughs> Don't be salty, shady about the fact that you were not in California and I was for the last two weeks. Because oh you're American. I mean, this is, you know, this is supposedly your territory set. I don't know why you had so much FOMO. Yeah, may I remind you, I can move to LA tomorrow if I want to. Oh, Good luck with gosh. that. <laughs> okay, we get it, and that's fine. But the the point was, you were not there this week, and uh, <laughs> you you couldn't hide your 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 frustration with that. But I have just got back, uh, as I say, from from the Los Angeles, Angeles did, city of angels, LA, city of angels, <laughs> Hollywood, Hollywood, <laughs> Beverly Hills. Take your pick. <laughs> you know, I was on a flight the other day, and a guy started talking to us an American and we're like oh so where are you from he's like well I grew up in Hollywood I'm just like who says that no one says that especially I feel not like I would say that yeah I, I you would I'm... not someone who actually grew up there <laughs> but no I'm saying I would say that if I grew up there I wouldn't just say that in general thank you very much <laughs> you're the one who's been calling me an Angelino episode one through Three. That's hard to say. But now you are the real Angelino here. Okay. I have probably always been a bit more, quote, Angelino in, in terms of, you know, my desire for an avocado toast in the morning, my, my like <laughs> for the sunshine and so on. But what I do is in order to keep you in check throughout our friendship, I've always made sure that I divert and deflect into convincing people <laughs> you are the woke Angelino and that I'm anything but that. <laughs> when yeah. in reality, and, and this last seven days kind of brought this to the surface, the reality is you're probably much more low-key and less Angelino than me, who is ordering my second round of avocado toast for the day, sitting next to two delightful ladies from Santa Barbara who I met at breakfast. Shout and, out to uh, Nicole and, so, and Kim, so. right? Yes, Nicole and Kim, this is the shout out to, to both. But uh, you were invaluable on my journey from Doha to Los Angeles because, of course, I did decide to let you know I was airborne and it is one of the longest flights in the world. So, you know, your company was appreciated until it wasn't, until yeah. it very much wasn't. So what happened was that last week, right after we stopped recording, Alex went, oh, by the way, I might be going to the US soon. I had to run. So I was like, yeah, yeah okay, tell me about it tomorrow. I text him the next morning. So when are you going to LA? He's like, hello from QR7, <laughs> whatever. I am currently airborne to LA. And immediately I went on flight radar 24, of course, to see where Alex was. And would you know, very, very relevant to the podcast, things we've discussed in several episodes now, Alex was cruising over Kazakhstan, just south of Russia. And this was firstly unusual because while most of the Gulf flights will, will overfly Russia, unlike um, a lot of airlines right now because of what is happening with, with Ukraine, the usual route that will fly from Doha will usually take more of a westerly route that basically heads towards northern Europe, up towards the North Pole, 
and then down through Canada, sometimes even Alaska and, and into California. Dan surprised me because I was busy working away. I hadn't even turned on the screen and he WhatsApp me and said, you're, you're heading towards Asia and then you're crossing into Russia and you're going that way and it, and it never goes that way. And I was thinking, no, he's wrong because I, I know that it very rarely takes the route that goes basically when you when you're looking at the map and you're looking at the gulf right instead of left yeah but it did on that morning that was unusual I, you really surprised me i was shocked i was messaging <laughs> you what you know we look at radar we follow flights we fly so much ourselves that it sometimes takes a bit to surprise us yeah in my mind i was thinking alex do they have four seasons or jw marriott in novosibirsk because i hope you know the locations in case you have to divert yeah and these are the lovely you know helpful and polite messages <laughs> that you were sending me while i was cruising yeah. over these areas and wondering if they were a relevant b appropriate and c when will the wi-fi cut out so i can stop receiving <laughs> these notifications from my podcast co-host who couldn't wait to tell me oh if you were to divert now this would be the shady third secondary city airport that you would end up in that's currently on the receiving end of these sanctions and this embassy will yep. be notified and this would likely happen and i'm thinking you know what Maybe it was better when aircraft didn't have Wi-Fi in terms of being able to disconnect. You know, I said to Dan, oh, I think the Wi-Fi is playing up, Dan. Whoop, off airplane <laughs> mode, off Wi-Fi, turn on that screen, sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of what was uh, a 17-hour flight yeah, to but, Los Angeles. I mean, you have to admit, I was very knowledgeable. I said, okay, I assume when you land, they've arranged PS services for you. You went, what on earth is that? I don't think so. I hadn't heard of PS. Yeah, yeah I fast heard forward. Of that was good. P fast forward to me landing in LA, PS is the service that, what does PS stand for? Private service? Wait, wait, it what? can't be PS services. Private, it's private something. Maybe because it's in California, like private sunshine services? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> private secret service? Uh, okay. okay, it doesn't matter. <laughs> anyway, it's a service that basically you can enter the US in a much, much, much faster fashion. You kind of go to a mini terminal. Ryan Gosling was in the room next door being processed for his departure. Oh, he was. He was traveling to, but he was. He was. He was on the other side of the wall. He mm. was. <laughs> I saw him go in. Apparently, Adele was constantly there in her commuting back and forth. Um, yeah. to Vegas, where her show is. So that was a nice, easy way to enter the United States, which can sometimes be awful in terms of queues and so on. And then headed down to, down or up? I can't remember. Well, it's, it is up, direction. but it's, it's up. It is down up, yeah. toward town. Headed, I don't know what you say. Yeah, yeah. So headed up then towards the Beverly Hills area. Actually, Dan, the weather was much cooler than I was expecting for mm -hmm. LA in September. But it, on the whole, you know, sunny, there's nice L.A. vibes and, and it is. And I do love a lot about California. The palm trees, the wide roads, the, the fact that palm trees. I like the palm trees. I like They're the very wide skinny, roads. right? They're yeah, Ozempic yeah. palm trees. Yeah. Well, I think, don't they use, isn't it Wegovy? Yeah, I don't know more the the, uh, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wegovy. It is. I think it's called. Wegovy. Okay. Wegovy. There we go. Don't Google that. No. <laughs> I, know, I mean, it's just, uh, we're not endorsing any of these products. No. And, uh, anyway, just the fact that everything is, you know, everything's just a bigger and therefore seems better. I mean, it, it continuously in the US catches me off guard when you order food 
and they bring you like, right. oh, it's not a side plate of mushrooms. It's like a bucket of mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, like, you could feed like your a whole bucket family. of mushrooms. Yeah, I'm like, this is for me. Or, you know, I'll have two hash browns, please, at breakfast with my avocado toast. And they bring <laughs> something that looks like this, like, frittata omelette thing that's yeah. the size of a full plate. Yeah. One thing I think that you were consciously or subconsciously, you felt this. The one thing you notice when you go to the U.S. more than almost any other country is just that it feels like the main character place. Like you land and you're just like, you just immediately get this vibe that this is where it's happening. Yeah. The attitude everyone has is that this is the center of the world. And, you know, especially in LA, the center of entertainment. So you just yeah. feel very impressed because everyone else is giving that vibe. You explain that perfectly. It is that exact, it's tangible. You can feel how it is this this place that knows it's so relevant and yeah. it's like you've stepped into a real life movie scene and of course because as you know international kids we consume so much globally of of the output of California that when you are then there it is like you you recognize everything even if you haven't been to that area even if you haven't been to that place because we've we've consumed it somewhere in the background of something be it movie or tv or or whatever yeah. then also you get this I mean the sense of as you say for example I arrived to the hotel right checked in within seconds I get into the elevator and the gentleman standing next to me is the former chief of staff to Bill Clinton. He worked with both Bill and then Hillary when she became Secretary of State. Now, you know me, I'm hugely into politics and US politics. I consume everything politics. So of course I recognized him and he smiled and he said hi, because again, something that catches you off guard in the US or at least catches me off guard every single time is how forward everyone is in yeah. being willing to, you know, to speak with you. I guess we still have that kind of British, the more reserved way of not directly yeah. saying like good morning how was your day you know that yeah. kind of thing so he's when i got into the elevator he said hey how's it going Where, you know which uh, which floor and i said oh you know uh, four please and then he said uh, how's your morning going so far and i said oh actually i i just uh, just arrived from a very long flight and i i said to him you served in the clinton administration right he said yes yes he said that's uh guilty you know that that's me and I wondered if he thought it was ordinary that I knew that or not, because he was not really <laughs> or that he was going to get hate crimes. A politician. Poor yeah, guy. I mean, it's yeah. funny. He said he said guilty. And I was thinking, goodness, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> should I get off? <laughs> let's here? not. Yeah, let's not go down that route. We we need to get into aviation. You know, yes. I know you were yeah, yeah, yeah. stalking celebrities, but what else? No, I was bumping into them in elevators. There's a difference. We will move on. I also sat next to Justin Bieber for three hours in Sarah House. Very nice guy. Trust very me, nice, guys, very I chill. heard about it. Yeah. Very nice, very chill. He was he was there. He was having a meeting. We were sat on the surface. Of course, Soho House, the members only club slash hotel. Of course. If you take your phone out, you risk being shot. So I have no <laughs> I have no photographic evidence with 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 Justin, but he to was, be honest, I was anyway. I was very surprised that yeah. he was there because no shade to Soho House, but I don't feel like it's a sort of hidden, exclusive place where celebrities still go. Like I think that's what it was back in the well, day. Apparently, it is. Well, Justin Bieber, um, 
Anyway, let's yeah. <laughs> let's Did move you, on. When was from the last JD. time you went to? When was the last time you went to Soho House in in West Hollywood? Excuse me, I've had my pair of shows. I, I think that answer your question. Okay, so I've was been. I Cal- did I do? Yeah, I didn't ask. Did I do aviation? <laughs> did I do aviation related things in California? Yes. So there was a whole bunch of stuff going on. First and foremost, there was something called the Apex Awards. And uh, there was an Apex Expo as well, which gathers parts of the industry. So I attended that expo whilst in California. That was down in Long Beach in the south. And they Thanks for the geography hosted... lesson. That's okay. It, this is your California expert, Alex Macheros, just <laughs> guiding you here. They gather in-flight entertainment providers. They gather catering and they gather all different areas of the sector to do business. At the same time, they had the awards ceremony. And so they were giving multiple awards. Uh, I attended and covered the ceremony. The awards itself covered and awarded airlines, but also its most notable award was the Lifetime Achievement Award to an airline CEO. And the recipient on this occasion was the CEO of Qatar Airways, Akbar Al-Bakr, and he received the Lifetime Achievement Award for his 26 plus years leading the Gulf carrier. And so they really, really put emphasis on on what a big deal this award was to an airline that so many are familiar with in the global brand. In addition to the Lifetime Achievement Award, they had awarded airlines for a bunch of different areas and and categories, including in how accessible, friendly airlines can be in terms of accommodating, for example, wheelchairs on board in premium cabins, Mm. for having lavatories that are able to be a bit easier to use for certain variety of disabilities and so on. And so it was nice to really see the specific things. And then there was, of course, in-flight entertainment and gate-to-gate Wi-Fi and so on. That was the awards part. And then, of course, you have that thought as to, okay, they then start to award airlines, four-star airlines, three-star airlines, five-star airlines. And that's when you start to look and wonder, is this the case? Okay, so the obvious airline that I was like, WTF. But there were there were many WTF five star airlines. (laughs) SAS awarded five star airline by Apex. I was like, is this? A joke. What date is it? That's the thing with these, with awarding airlines with a star rating is that ultimately there is always going to be disagreement. I don't think, Dan, there's ever going to be in our lifetime an organization that awards airlines the recognition and the star rating that we perceive to be accurate. And, no. and I think that's that's just going to be, the, it's going to be different for me. It's going to be different for you and someone that's else and so on and so on. Yeah. And that's why I think it's just so much harder. And I was also thinking while I was sat in this ceremony, I was thinking, isn't it funny? I wonder if in the hotel industry, they also dispute this and say, oh, can you imagine that this hotel was given five stars when it is actually... I mean, it's true. Some hotels are like, say they're five stars. And I'm like, you show up and you're like, what? Yeah. yeah. So it is, you know, it, it is unusual. But yeah, SAS five stars, you know best given that they are one of your local airlines as well and you've flown them extensively but also you follow the ins and outs what in a nutshell would you say just from the from the get-go stops them from being five star okay i can list a bunch of recent changes they're going through a lot of financial strife of course i hope that they prevail from that and that they can grow a sustainable operation but there are so many things that just don't make them a five-star airline in any way just an example my brother the other day 
my brother appears in episode four as well. He was flying from Goodness. Chicago. He's, becoming, he's quickly becoming the main <laughs> character. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Welcome, Jacob. He was flying from Chicago to Copenhagen, SAS Economy. They did not serve dinner. They served a sandwich the size of, I don't know, the sandwich the size of an iPhone for dinner in economy on an eight-hour long-haul flight. That's when you know it gets what? bad. Yeah. I mean, the cost Wait, this cutting... was because of what? Like a, this was a catering mistake or this is planned? No. So he asked the crew, they said, this is what we serve nowadays. This is new. So they've downgraded their meals on long haul flights. They're also barely serving breakfast on earlier departures. They've cut back on everything they can possibly cut back, you know? Except that fares, of course, for passengers. Of course. Paying through, through the roof for this substandard subpar service. Yeah. So there's just some very, very basic things. Long haul economy also, passengers get one free drink with the first meal. If there's a second meal, they get another free drink. No free drinks in between, not even water. So you have to pay what? if you want what? water on, a, on an 11 hour flight from Europe to California. No free water. I'm guessing you can, still, you can still have tap water for free. But my recommendation is that this should be absolutely avoided yeah. because those that system of which the water is, is being dispensed from, I mean, just without going too much into the detail, make a mental note now that if you are offered tap water on an aircraft, even if they call it and refer to it as drinking water, decline it because that is not something that you want to be consuming. This is not Angelino Alex speaking. This is this <laughs> ordinary regular Alex giving you this advice because it's just... it. it don't do it. But so, do you so do you do drink it. warm water like tea or coffee? Well, I know you don't I'm, drink coffee. See, I'm 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 funny about. See, I drink. I would have green tea, for example, on the ground, and let's not talk about aviation. But in the air, I actually don't have hot drinks for the for the same mm. reason because I'm just not keen on the fact that it, that water. I just know the system that it's coming from, even on a new aircraft. It is a minefield in terms of the bacteria, and also they, you know. Aircraft are not going to be dif differentiating their systems between where the water is going. So, for example, the water that is coming out of the tap in the bathroom and the water that is coming out of the tap in the galley, while they refer to it as being different, on most aircraft, the supply is exactly the same. Mm -hmm. And that's where you start to realize, okay... Maybe this is now, of course, there's arguments about bringing it to boiling point and for tea and coffee, which would kill bacteria and so on and so on. So that's different. But the, the rule of thumb generally is for me anyway, I absolutely avoid it. Yeah. OK, I, I'm fine with drinking it hot. I drink tea on almost all my flights. Never yeah. been sick. I don't have any parasites as far yeah. as I'm aware. But yeah, I would not drink it if it wasn't boiled. But th those are just a few examples of why SAS is not five star. And no, I think usually they they're not allowed to offer you tap water because they want people to buy. I'm looking here at some of the other five-star airlines, and this is not meant to roast Apex, but I just question what criteria goes into this. So some of the other airlines they gave five stars were Lufthansa, United, Latam. We're talking about airlines being put in the same category as Etihad and EVA, two of the world's 
actual best airlines so to me it's just you, it's you can't. i mean when you when you have singapore airlines moving into the category as all of these and the others it's just that's when the questions start to be raised i will say that apex's criteria is far more transparent and far more passenger involved than the likes of for example skytrax which of course yeah. have had a questionable record with many different scenarios that they have been through over the last few years if you remember just a few years ago turkish airlines released a statement saying that they want to be exempt from Skytrax's audits. They no longer wanted to take part because they said that ultimately it wasn't in their best interest and they didn't feel the process was transparent enough. And they also said that because they were refusing to comply with certain orders, if you like, from Skytrax, then Turkish Airlines, and this is all coming from the airline, by the way, Turkish Airlines said, leave us out. And what happened that year? Skytrax made Lufthansa Lufthansa, five star, and Turkish Airlines genuinely can be one of the best airlines in the world. Turkish yeah. Airlines, three star, and it just that that always sits that that still bothers me to say that that really I think really discredited the, the rating system there. Yeah. But the weird part, of course, is that Turkish Airlines is now back in Skytrax, isn't it? <laughs> the point of this is don't trust these ratings. Don't use yeah. them as a reference not, not for what to book. Anyway. Yeah, there's, you know, it's general knowledge which regions have better airlines. I think it's always good yeah. to compare different, you know, unbiased sources. Of course, if if Alex or, or I like a specific airline, compare it to other people as well, because people have different preferences, different opinions. Don't just trust these corporations that... No, you know, use them, use them slightly as an indicator. And in many circumstances, for example, with Skytrax, Skytrax can get it right. Really, they can. And there are scenarios where, of course, you see a winner and you think, how on earth did that happen? But that wasn't just it in L.A. In L.A., sideline discussions were happening. I met with several airline executives basically deciding and discussing how they are going to move forward with addressing the fact that around the world, multiple airlines have collectively together accumulated a $120 million bill, all thanks to the failure of the UK's air traffic control provider, Nats, that of course happened a few weeks ago. So when UK ATC basically went down, and it was a part of the ATC, not it wasn't the provision of air traffic control services, but it was related to how flight data was processed. The impact on airlines all around the world with services to the UK was felt in moments and it lasted for, for quite a while too. In this aftermath period now, Dan, we have a situation where Nats don't actually have to pay anything for what they have been, you know, for, for, the, for the chaos that they had caused. But the airlines are now figuring out who's going to be paying the $120 million bill if it's not Nats. And so that's what they were grouping together. And I met with some who were trying to figure out how on earth they, they get them to pay. That's absolutely ridiculous. Just look at the airlines. If the airlines delay your flight and it's within their control, for example, system errors, they are liable for compensation. <laughs> Why should Nats yeah. not at least have to help the airlines in a situation where they are responsible for the meltdown? The airlines had nothing to do with this. They were trying exactly. their best to get their operations back up and running. There were so many knockoff delays for so many days that airlines are also going to be liable for all types of compensation to passengers. 
as an yeah. effect. This is what is not fair. And I think the optics of this was fantastic because you've got Nats, this British National Air Traffic Service provider, which is the one that is notorious now for its failures. Ryanair outspoken CEO Michael O'Leary just says that they are, quote, a joke in terms of how they, they go down. And then they just say, oh, apologies and move on. And there's this mammoth bill left behind. But the optics of this, I thought, I thought were particularly interesting because you literally have a group of airlines. And I met with, with several of their CEOs in Los Angeles on the other side of the world to the United Kingdom. All of these airlines, none of them were British. So they were all carriers that, that serve the UK, but are not UK based airlines. And they're all gathering together trying to work out, right, how are we going to get Nats to pay? And they are plotting and they're outlining their roadmap. So Nats should probably see this coming because they are not willing to let go and simply swallow this $120 million bill. And I get it because the margins in aviation are so tiny. Why should they now have to clean up for the hiccup of a, a almost routinely failing national air traffic yeah. service provider in the uk that has this recent history of constant outages you know over the space of a couple of years yeah but it, it's still too many now that let's, we have been talking for ages should we get into the news yes. let's have a look at what else is making headlines in the aviation world so before we get into that, Alex and I both travel a lot for work, as you all know, and sometimes even simple things like deciding which hotel to book or what to do in a new city can become overwhelming when there are so many other things to do. That's right. But luckily, it is 2023 and we no longer have to do all of this research by ourselves. Magic is a powerful AI tool that takes the planning out of your trips, both for business and leisure. It customizes itineraries for you based on your needs and preferences. So Dan, you can be sure to get your Angelino vegan oat milk fix while you're on the road. And Alex, you can always stay at a hotel in the vicinity of a Soho house so you don't have a panic attack. Wow, well, look, magic can also tell you more specific things like what to pack for a trip. It even compiles a list of what people are saying about hotels and restaurants online so you know exactly which places to book and reserve and what to expect when you get there. The best part is that Magic is 100% free. What's more, every time you book through Magic, you collect Magic Elixir, which can then be used to get other deals between 5 and 40% off on future bookings. So let's travel like it's 2023 and use Magic to plan your next trip. Follow the link in the podcast notes below, or you can go to magictravel.ai. So in the US this week, a certain someone, okay, I have to say, Donald Trump basically slammed Boeing and the 737 MAX. Of course, looking back a few years when Donald Trump was president, this was when the two infamous 737 MAX crashes occurred. He was actually the one who forced through the grounding in the US, right? He did. He did. Yeah, he, he really pushed Boeing into into declaring that, oh, we're grounding them here. And then that was kind of the, the final point. Okay, this aircraft is going to be Yeah, because what was the FAA doing? That was, that was a crazy yeah. goosebumps moment where it you was. felt that a safety organization is putting economic interests before safety. But yeah. what, what has Donald Trump said <laughs> this week? So Donald Trump, of course, is not on Twitter or he's not very active on, on X, as it's now known. Instead, he has his own one, Truth Social. And he has released a, a statement this week and it's aviation's turn for a Donald Trump statement. And <laughs> the former president says, he says, Bad maintenance Boeing. I can't do it all in his voice. It's no, tremendous. No, he, can't. It's too long. <laughs> he says, bad maintenance Boeing. 
that they should not lengthen the unattractive, fat, <laughs> slow. Is he describing himself? I'm sorry. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he, says the, he says the unattractive, fat, slow 737. To get a larger plane, they should go instead to an updated, fast, beautiful, because everything in his life is so beautiful, 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 <laughs> sleek. 757 praying mantis. <laughs> praying he says mantis. That it's, I love I that. <laughs> he goes on. He says, it is the commercial pilot's favorite plane to fly. He said, had they have listened to me years ago, <laughs> they wouldn't have had the disaster that is known as the 737 Max. And then he turns a little bit serious and he says, those two horrible tragedies would never have happened. And then of course he goes back to being ironic Trump again. And he says, as they say, Trump was right about everything. And it's oh like, okay. We're going to lose half our followers, but it's okay. No, which I'm, we are quoting the former president word for word. Yes, okay. sorry. And, and that's it. That's his statement on his own social media. So Trump I, here laying wanna, into Boeing. Yeah, this is amazing. He, he loves giving nicknames. The fact that he is giving Boeing the nickname, bad maintenance Boeing. I can't believe his nicknames have reached aviation. <laughs> And you know what? He sometimes he's not wrong. I mean, it's not, you know. Um, of course, Boeing are going to take issue with this, but it is funny how aviation have now had that turn on, on whatever day he released a statement over the last few days. It's also funny that a lot of what he has said about Boeing should have actually have updated the 757 is something that is the consensus across much of the industry. Much of the aviation sector agrees that the Boeing 757, which is that very thin, long aircraft the that pencil. has that that the pencil that would typically rival the A321, which of course came came much later, that is the aircraft that many wish were updated instead of Boeing rushing to re-engine the 737, which of course was a 60-year-old airframe, and now it becoming the 737 MAX, which of course has had a very troubled recent history. Yeah, the, the 757 is such a beautiful, amazing plane. I, As a passenger, sure, it's, it's a narrow body, so it's not ideal, but everyone loves the 757. It's Oh, it's so sleek. He's right. Beautiful. Still, sleek. If, I mean, I'm just thinking who who is still actively operating them? Of course, globally? Iceland Air is, I think, the only yep. European airline. The US, yep. you have Delta and United. Delta. So United I, flies In them. fact, I, I saw one as soon as I landed in, in LA. I saw a Delta 757. So beautiful. So Delta and United also fly some of those to Europe. We have uh, DHL flies 757s. I don't know if yep. there's not really any other big airlines, at least off the top of my head, that fly them anywhere else anymore, which is so sad. I just, I had a funny thought. So let's say Tupolev was, st was still around. Tupolev is a former Russian, wait, Russian-Ukrainian, Soviet aircraft manufacturer. So do you think if they were still around, he, he would have gone, you shouldn't buy from bad maintenance Boeing. You should buy from tremendous Tupolev. Potentially. I mean, we know that the former president has always had strong links to Russia. Yeah. Could they have been the ones to, to be the new Trump jet? And of course, Donald Trump still has his 757, which is, of course, why he has this attachment to this aircraft. He has recently renovated the interior. If you Google Donald Trump 757, you can see a picture of the former president sat eating from a bucket 
pocket of KFC <laughs> in this very sleek gold kind of Emirates style looking, but, oh but much God. more, much more lack of taste. And of course, he has the whole gold washrooms and gold toilet seats and so on. But where I am with the former president is on this fact that potentially the effort should have been put into a better 757 than what we have today with the 737 MAX. You know, I love hearing people who really have very little to do with aviation suddenly share their opinion about aviation. Yeah. When someone just shared like completely out of nowhere, like, oh, I love this airline or I love this and that. You're just like, you think about this stuff too? It just makes me yeah. happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Talking about US yeah. carriers actually... There's yeah. issues not only with the Boeing family, but now there's a whole fake parts scandal. So airlines all over the world are having to ground aircraft. Do you want to tell us more about that? Yeah, so this is affecting airlines globally. And so far, the number of aircraft that is affecting is limited to around 100. So on the grand scheme of things, it's not a lot. But this is something that has rocked the aviation sector because we are in the middle of what we have discovered to be a fake jet engine parts scandal. Basically, this all comes back from a British aerospace parts supplier known as AOG Technics. They have been found to have forged certification documents for dozens of parts that are not legitimate certified aircraft engine parts for the CFM. So this is typically an engine that will be on the two of the world's most popular aircraft types, the Airbus A320, that's an aircraft that lands or takes off every two and a half seconds, or the 737, which of course is landing and taking off at the same rate globally, because these are the workhorses of the skies, the A320 and the 737. And we know that these engine parts were fake, ultimately, the certification also had never come about because they had not followed the correct processes. And they were being sold by a second party, a third party, sorry, supplier, British Aerospace Parts AOG. The origin of the parts is not yet known, but they are in aircraft engines around the world. And Southwest were the first airlines to discover this. And then, of course, they send this memo out globally to all airlines. And I have been reliably informed that two airlines in the Middle East are affected, but also there are airlines across the US, including American and United. There are a couple of airlines uh, in India. There are a couple of airlines in Europe and so on and so on. It's, again, another concern for the industry to be to be worried about, I guess, which is that actually, just like there are counterfeit products in all areas of life, we have just discovered this now for engine parts. And that is it's scary. Concerning. It's really scary. We often talk about this, how it's remarkable that things don't go wrong more often than they do. So here we have a hundred, here we have a hundred aircraft grounded with fake parts and thankfully nothing has happened, but this is just one situation. There's so many small issues here and there. And thankfully all pretty much all of the time, 99.9999% of the time, everything is still fine with all the complexities of aviation. It just shows you how incredibly, you know, safe and controlled. Everything regulated. Is. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, we are extremely regulated. We are extremely restricted in terms of how the, how the sector has to comply with policies and protocol. And thankfully, Air travel does remain the absolute safest form of transport. And I get asked this all the time by listeners on my radio pieces. And after I have broadcast on TV, I get 
passengers who are nervous about flying and they they will message me saying you know is there a particular part that i should be more nervous about i get so many messages from viewers like how are you so happy and smiley on flights when i'm i'm on the verge of tears i tell them yeah. if you ever feel bad the best thing you can do is tell the crew they might inform the pilots you'll get help you'll get comfort i think Getting to meet and talk to the pilots is a really helpful, comforting thing because sometimes you don't feel in control. You don't feel like, you know, some, that some strange figure is fine. The, yeah. the, most, the most common thing, I think, stems from that lack of control. And I'll quickly tell you this short story. When I was seven or eight years old, we were flying back, myself and my family were flying back to London. And back then, airlines are much better at this now, but back then, we're talking like 20 years ago, uh, when an airline would call in another airline to operate on their behalf, they wouldn't then let the passengers know, you know, there was not an email culture to say, oh, your, your flight is actually going to be operated by this airline tomorrow and so on and so on. So my mother at the time was, was a, a real nervous passenger, even though she was flying almost every weekend, she didn't like it at all. And we were on the bus going to the gate. This was at Malaga. And as we were heading for an EasyJet flight, the bus pulls up at this MD-80, this very, Ooh. very old, at that point it was already almost 30 years old aircraft that had an all-white livery, totally unbranded, and the guy driving the bus says, okay, this is the uh, EasyJet flight, and everyone was super confused. And they said, yeah, it's on, it's on this flight today, it's on this aircraft. And people were boarding and unsure, and my mum, I remember taking one look out of that bus window and she said, nope, I'm not going on that. Absolutely not. She said, they should, they should have told us. Okay. She said, I have no idea what airline it is. I have no idea where the aircraft is registered. I don't know the safety reputation of this airline. It is not fair. There is so much that passengers cannot control when you're nervous. That's what plays on their mind. It's not then fair to put that passenger in a position where, surprise, you mentally prepared yourself for XYZ, but actually it's ABC. They, they brought the flight crew out of the flight deck to come down to the bus to speak to my mother and convince her to board she wouldn't do it and the crew was saying please madam you know it's safe we're we're a, a leasing airline based in lithuania i think that just made it a bit worse Your mom went then, where actually, <laughs> yeah. 20 years ago exactly <laughs> and uh, yeah she refused and and i you know i i remember being seven eight years old and not blaming her for the fact that she was ready she knew exactly what airline and aircraft she had booked and was flying and it's not that just that they swapped an aircraft this was an airline out of nowhere with no prior communication 20 years ago with an unbranded md80 that's not an aircraft that flies around very much at all. If you oh, lived nowadays, in Gothenburg, I don't even know where you would. Yeah, <laughs> then you'd. That's still flying. You got the boat? No, 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 not anymore. But I, I grew right, up okay. flying the MD80 because SAS flew it everywhere okay. from Gothenburg. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Well, apart from Gothenburg, of course, it wasn't <laughs> service anywhere else. <laughs> well, so uh, I didn't blame them. So yeah, I'm, I'm always sympathetic to, to, to passengers with that feeling of just not being in control. And it's not fair for airlines to make that worse. No, absolutely not. So I feel like we're already sort of talking about v listener concerns. Should we, should we get into some questions? Yes, let's do it. Let's go to your questions. Okay, so Tom asks me, what do you think about the Delta SkyMiles changes? I'm going to very, very quickly just explain what happened in the past week. Delta, of course, one of the biggest airlines in the world. They have always had, or for the past decade or so, they have stripped away a lot at their frequent flyer program. But this past week, they really took those quote-unquote enhancements, which are actually great de devaluations, to a new extreme. So basically, now... 
if you want to earn Delta's highest status, you have to spend, depending on which credit cards you have, because everything is based on how much you spend with the airline. There's no points don't matter, miles don't matter, number of flights don't matter. If you want to earn the highest status, you need to spend between $350,000 and $700,000 on your Delta credit what? card. What? Which is just, it's so crazy because... If you're thinking about even someone spending $350,000 a year on one credit card, this is an insanely rich person. To think that they will be super grateful that, oh, I get priority boarding, I get an extra bag, I get an upgrade once every 10 flights because Delta and US Airlines have done a great job at monetizing first class and selling more and more seats in the past decade. To think that they will think it's worth it to spend all their money on this card or to go out of their way to spend more to get these benefits when they already make and spend so much money is bizarre. There's, it doesn't make sense. People with that type of isn't spend. The benefit, isn't like the benefit of, for example, the priority boarding benefit. Am I right in saying that priority boarding would mean that you're like the seventh category to board yeah, after the they US. everyone else? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can get like an invite only status, for example, in the US, each airline right. has one where you board before anyone else, but that doesn't really matter. Look, if you're spending, let's keep it on the low end, $350,000, you're unlikely to be flying economy, especially long haul. So just to think that this person will be super grateful for one extra checked bag that's worth $25 <laughs> or being able to board with group three is, it's bizarre. So it, that's, it, that's the dream. Yeah. <laughs> My God, I've spent, you know, I've spent almost a million dream. dollars to be in group three. This just points to the current economic climate and the, the climate in travel, especially where airlines are the ones with the control. Consumers are victims at the hand of the airlines because airlines are making record profits, their flights are full. They don't care about the passengers in times like these. And this is such yeah. a great example of that. So that nicely brings us on to the second question. This is a question that I received from three different listeners, Josh, John, and Pablo. And they basically each asked the same question, which is why is air travel so expensive currently? And when will these fares go down? What is going on? The quick answer to this is supply and demand. It isn't just the fact that air travel has decided to become more expensive and that aircraft are still half empty. And so they are just keeping fares artificially high. Aircraft are packed. Dan knows we both have access to the system of the world's marketplace of airline tickets. And with that, we're able to make a very reliable assessment by bringing up this data on how busy flights are. Let me just tell you, flights everywhere are packed. They have never been so busy. And so because of supply and demand, only those highest fares tend to be available compared with, for example, pre-pandemic, where aircraft were just not as busy. There were more flights, there was more access, and that's what's making it more difficult now. But the, the reality is that because aircraft are so full, it's only those high fares that are available. And so long as demand continues to be so high, and so long as the airlines struggle to meet that demand with a limited supply because there are not enough aircraft around, there are definitely not enough engines, there are aircraft stuck in maintenance awaiting spare parts, the supply chain in aviation is a mess, that will continue to hurt the consumer with high prices. 
it's yeah. going to be a while until they come down. So, so one part of me thinks that, okay, when more aircraft are delivered, the supply chain is sorted out, when this pent-up demand from COVID in every country has gone down, hopefully prices go down. But another part of me is a little bit worried that, well, selfishly worried that the whole new experience economy and the idea that people want to buy experiences and trips instead of things is here to stay, which means that people will be willing for all eternity to spend more on travel, want to travel more just because it's a new priority for people. And, you know, consumer tastes change. This might just be the new thing. Hopefully not, but we'll see. Another question. This is from Leah. Leah is a lovely listener in Florida. She has said, what are your thoughts, guys, on strategically taking up a whole row, so a whole empty row, once everyone has already boarded and boarding has been declared as complete? She also says, especially when the flight is is quite full, what are your thoughts? My quick thought is that if you know that boarding is complete and you see an empty row, go for it. Sometimes I think it's good to ask the crew first because depending on how... Oh, 100, sorry, 100%. Is, yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would do it. Sorry. I would go for it and then I would ask the crew, is it fine to stay yes. here? That, that, that's the way I would do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the reason you should ask the crew is that some flights could be so empty that reserved. or you need to stay in your seat due to weights and balances for takeoff yeah. and landing if the flight is super, super empty. So then you might just need it to could stay also be takeoff. It could also be reserved for crew who are going to be resting during the flight and so on, depending on certain aircraft configurations that that can happen. So definitely, I would say identify it, maybe make your way over there before somebody else does, and then say to the crew, is it fine to sit here? They might say to you in some circumstances, you can, but after takeoff. And again, that could be to do with, as Dan said, the distribution of weight and balance on an aircraft. But otherwise, I think I think that's fine. The next question is from Sam. He says, how are airports like London Heathrow going to cope in a world without A380s? So he means the super jump that are able to squeeze in loads and loads of passengers. And actually, on an A380, it's not a squeeze. I shouldn't have said that because it's one of the most spacious economy class experiences out there. Sam says, with limited slots, it's going to be challenging to get the same capacity in and out of these hubs from aircraft like the 777, A350 and 787s. He's absolutely right. And this is why, Sam, that the A380s are still in service for many carriers because If A380s, for all that is wrong with the business side of the A380 in terms of how much money they lose, too many engines, too much fuel required, extremely heavy, struggles to break even, it is an aircraft that is perfectly designed for those slot constraint airports where you have airlines that want to be able to fly more to those airports, but the airports are so full, like London Heathrow, they work in a strict slot system, that was a mouthful, and say that the only way to bring in more passengers is to fly bigger aircraft. And airlines that I've spoken to about this have said that they hope that the 777X and the A350-1000 will be able to accommodate that that in the future going forward as passengers we demand further frequency rather than larger aircraft. Yeah, it's really difficult. The most notable example is obviously Emirates, who flies six or seven A380s, I think it's six, into just London Heathrow every day. They don't have any more slots they can use, as far as I'm aware. So what happens when they don't have the A380 anymore? Now they're talking about flying it into the 2040s just for airports like Heathrow, which which is insane to think 17 more years it could be around, which is great great for passengers. But Emirates, Emirates president Tim Clark is begging Airbus 
to make a new version of the E380. They're begging. And of course, I think every Which passenger, they they I know, but yeah. every passenger in the world is, you know, begging as well in a way, because everyone loves the E380. I'm sure Airbus employees love flying it too. It's just so heartbreaking to think that there are airlines that desperately want it, but we won't get it. And for anyone wondering why we would not get it, just the, the, the bit of context there is that Airbus have actually stopped making the Airbus A380. They have formally closed down all A380 production in a significant way. And the last part of that was the complete end of the A380 final assembly line, which was in Toulouse. That factory facility now produces and assembles A321s and A320 family aircraft. It is the direction of the times. Airlines simply do not, require the extremely large aircraft and instead want lighter, more efficient, more versatile aircraft that are able to meet the needs of both the long haul market and the mid market and perform on the efficiencies of a typically a shorter range jet. And that's, but the, I wonder, that's the direction of travel at the moment. I just have to say, I wonder what will be the next pride of the airlines? Because we had the 747, we had Concorde, now the A380. Once mm. the A380 goes, it's going to be the first time in, well, when the A380 is finally retired from Emirates, like the first time in seven decades that there's yeah. not an obvious star, the aircraft that people seek out, an aircraft that attracts... I think this is plane spotters this is going to be this is going to be it for a, a long while now i mean i think it's going to be the a350 the 777x and on we go and of course the market is very much shifting towards the extra long range a321s and the fact that we're sending shorter single aisle aircraft further afield on long range missions and it's extremely efficient for airlines and it's not great for passengers in some senses in other senses it doesn't matter we will dive into that in a new episode but yeah, I think, as you correctly said, it's going to be a long while without an upcoming big, flashy flagship. Oh, well, we do supposedly have supersonic coming again, but we'll believe that's it true. when we yeah, see it. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And hypersonic. And so we'll be, you yeah. know, we'll be traveling from A to B faster. And again, we'll get into that in a, next, in a new episode because that is something that the man certain manufacturers tell us, like Boom Aero, that it's definitely the reality. And then you get big engine manufacturers who were supposedly going to be powering the thing saying no what are they talking about this yeah. yeah this is unrealistic so we will dive into that but with that i think we'll close up on this episode thank you as always for being part of the journey and for liking subscribing commenting sharing on air as a podcast to your network because yeah. we appreciate it we're seeing those stats it's Oh, much much appreciated it's so cool and the reviews we're, we're so grateful if you review the podcast send us your thoughts feedback via social media of course we have a giveaway going that we mentioned in episode three that will be brought back or mentioned again next week it's not over yet so we will see you next week on air see you later bye bye, -bye.